Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family. We chose this one. This is episode 69, The Skulls from 2000. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Tu, and this episode is brought to you by Ka Tequila. Designed to pay reverence and honor to Mexico and its people, its bottle and spirit are reflective of Day of the Dead, the 3,000-year-old Mesoamerican ritual honoring deceased loved ones. Shout out Ka Tequila. Thank you, Ka Tequila, for sponsoring this very topically, thematic, important, approved, appropriate movie in the skulls rachel used to work at a tequila bar they have hundreds and hundreds of tequilas and somebody had given them some of the the añejo if you know the bottle ka comes in like a skull shape right but you know it's a loud bar and so um somebody had served someone this añejo somebody comes into rachel like a couple weeks later and they're like hey i want this tequila i had here a while ago i really liked it she's like cool do you know which one it was and he goes yeah black cock tequila and she's like what are you saying scratching her brain and she's like oh he means ka and yeho in the black bottle it's episode number 69 bro we got to get into this somehow by the time you're listening to this we have released another bonus episode about the fast nine sorry the f9 trailer f9 the fast saga right isn't that what the name they're going with apparently i think the overall thing is the fast saga i don't know i think it's just called f9 i think as we record this though it's before the trailer officially drops on Friday, so like it's a weird kind of thing, so we'll get to that. But first up, before we go any further, Joe, extracurricular activities. What have you been up to since we talked about Hobbs and Shaw last week with Brian and Kara? I think I already said that I got a new huge TV because mm-hmm. it was on sale, so I mm-hmm. color calibrated it. I've just been watching fun time things on TV, the NHL All-Star Game, so I got cool. to watch the skills competition on the new TV. And I also, on my movie update, I watched The Irishman. It's long, but it actually didn't feel as slow as I imagined it would have, right? I mean, I don't know what you were imagining. It's not uh, It's not a quick movie. For a three-and-a-half-hour movie and an Oscar movie and Scorsese getting older, I kind of felt like it was going to be like one of these like long movies like that even felt long but it feels long time wise but it's not like it's slow that's the distinction i want to make well there's a lot going on there's a lot that he's jumping around from time to time and place to place and person to person and everything's good it's just so here's a question for you i don't know if you have an answer of the movies that you saw last year do you have a favorite do you think is beach bum still your favorite movie from last year now that you've seen this now you've seen parasite i really enjoyed parasite it would be, like, top five for sure. Irishman probably wouldn't make the list. I like it. Irishman really felt to me like a good buy from someone. I can't pinpoint who. This is never going to be able to happen again, and you can kind of feel that in the movie, which is weird. I mean, if nothing else, they're not going to be able to get together all collectively again. That's sure. what I'm saying, yeah. So, like, yeah. it's either that or one of them's not going to do many more movies. That's what it felt like to me. I enjoyed it. I don't think I'll rewatch it for a very long time, if it ever. But The Beach Bum is a movie that I could watch over and over again. It's so much fun. The reason I ask is because there was a trend sort of last year with a lot of people who were like very into film where their top two movies of the year were Irish, in some order, Irishman and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And it's just like, those are so specifically of a type that like... Oh, these feel like films very accessible to a large audience. Yes, I agree with that. We've I also think that this. it's those two specifically are like 
good, not great in my eyes. And they're like, they're not the best. It's not the best Scorsese movie. It's not the best Tarantino movie. Agreed. If these are your two favorite movies of the year, are you trying to find other things? You're like, this is my guy. This is the one I'm going to watch. This is the one I'm going to love. It just, it feels weird if those are your two favorite movies. And it's true, I think, of a lot of lists. A lot of people are like, these are my two. I don't fault people for liking those movies. I like both no. those movies. I know you like both those movies. But like, yeah. there's a lot of good, weird stuff that had never been made before. Yeah, they're not in the same class as like Beach Bum and Parasite for me, for sure. Those are like two movies that I'm like, holy shit, I've never seen this happen before. I think a lot of the Oscar movies this year were like film that's accessible. It's good that you're exposing people that might only watch blockbusters to more filmy type movies. Past guest Walter Hickey has, he has his daily newsletter, Numlock News, but on the weekends, yeah. he and Michael, who's also been on the show, uh, they do their awards supplement, awards.substack.com. They write about the Oscars and predicting the Oscars and changing of the voters. Which is really And they've cool, written yeah. a lot about what you're saying there, about how sort of the change in the demographics of who's voting on the Oscars changes the kind of movies that get nominated. And I think this year, more than ever before, as it continues, it is the sort of more accessible, which is both good and bad, because it's like, should the Joker really be there? But like, I get it, but also, what's happening? Yeah, I'm torn on how I feel about it. I used to enjoy the Oscar list because there would be movies that I wouldn't have necessarily picked to watch. When I got the list this year, I had already seen four or five of them and, and knew and was planning to watch others. I wanted it for exposure to new, different, weird things. And I'm like, if I'm already seeing these, then most people are already seeing these. The most important thing, I think we've said, we've both said this before, just go out there and find movies that you think you're going to like, whether those are just Fast and Furious movies, cool. Or whether that's, you know, weird horror movies or weird Harmony Korean movies or whatever you want to find. Yeah, word, exactly. I mean, yeah, like what you like, man. I don't give a shit. It doesn't bother yeah. me. I've not done a ton since last weekend either. I saw two movies in theaters last week. I saw an anime called Weathering With You, which I'm not mm. big on anime, but this guy who made this movie made a movie called Your Name. That was very, very good. And this was his follow-up to that and it was good. It wasn't great. After that, I saw The Gentleman, which is a fun movie. It's not a great movie. I'm still waiting for the first like great movie of the year. I've seen mixed things, mostly positive, some negative stuff. And I think that there's people who are rightly critical of the way that it portrays and depicts certain people and certain things. And I okay. understand that. But it's just like, it's a Guy Ritchie movie. It's just like a British gangster movie. Like, just... Yeah. It's not great, but it's fun. So I had a good time with it. But cool. if you have issues with it, I totally see where you're coming from. I'm still, like I said, waiting for that uh, first great movie. Like, wow. Hopefully, you know, maybe... We'll definitely have one by May. I hope so. God, I hope F9. so. F9. I know, but God, I hope so. <laughs> All right, we have a Patreon page here on the show, TooFast2Forever.com or Patreon.com slash TooFast2Forever. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleinman. For supporting us at the five dollar level or above over there, thank you all so very much. Thank you, we thank are you, thank you. Rapidly approaching. I keep saying this, but now it's very true. Almost lap six. You know, this is the last pit stop we're doing in lap five. If you want to vote on what we're t- talking about next lap, pick a movie or pick something for us to talk about next lap. You can. If you want stickers, if you just want to say hi and just join a group of people who really like the show, TooFastToForever.com. And the minute document, all this stuff, you know this. All that stuff, yes. Yeah. And everything is laid out at the top. Like, even if you're unsure, if you go to TooFastToForever.com, you can see what is included. I checked earlier today about reviews. We do not have any new reviews, I don't think, but I'm seeing if there's any more ratings. 20 ratings, all five stars, all the wonderful reviews, so thank you so very much. If you don't want to support us financially if you cannot or whatever go over to apple Podcasts. please leave us a review thank you so very much but we also have an email address here on the show family at cageclub.me joe we have four emails 
Okay, cool. So this first one is a video that Nick Burris sent us. So I'm going to put this here. Uh, You don't need sound for it. You can watch it muted, but it's the Fast and the Furious Winter Semi Edition. He says, check this out. And it is, so if you want to search on YouTube for that. Drift, 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 drift. It doesn't have that music. I thought it would. It doesn't. It's just a semi just burning rubber in what looks like two or three inches of snow. He just fishtailing the whole way around this bend, and it's like just a giant turn. It's still going. It's like 29 seconds of turn duty, and then he skids to an exit, too. Yeah, that's that's awesome. It should have the Tokyo Drift music, though. But, Nick, thank you for sending that in. I did not see that, so that's a cool video no, that was to really share. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, fun if share. Wanna, if you want like to see it. it at home, the Fast and the Furious Winter, Winter Semi Edition, like semi-truck. Next email. You can have any virus you want as long as it's a corona <laughs> from Justin Kleinman. Justin says, Damn, just that writing was a good in. One. Can, we, can we stop? Just I just want to just a, a nice... Yeah clap for Justin because that was damn good. I appreciated it. Justin says, just writing in to give a shout out to fellow family member Ben Milliman. I was excited to learn after hearing his emails that I'm not the only HVAC service technician in the family. Oh, Living wow. in Minnesota, I'm very familiar with fixing broken pipes and heat in negative teen temperatures. Plus, I to Alaska, though, he doesn't have to deal with fixing air conditioners, which is 100 degrees in July. Stupid continental climate. Anyway, that's it. Check you later, Justin. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. What are the chances, right? In our fantasy baseball league, take a drink. Whenever we have like a possibility of an opening or we talk about adding new new members, yes. we always talk about wanting to bring in people with actual abilities and actual trades and crafts who could help us. Like We don't have any of the 12 of us. <laughs> We're just kind of a, bu- a bunch of yuppies, and it's just like, we want somebody who can fix a car, or give a haircut, or whatever, and like, an HVAC guy is the perfect addition there, you know what I mean? Like, we're like, oh, we need a doctor, oh, we, like, we have a lawyer, which is important. That is important. I don't know important. what kind of law he practices, but he's a lawyer, but we have, like, graphic designer, we have, like, media people, you know, my whatever I do for- Yeah, but you need tangible trades, you need some guys with some hands-on experience. You know, it's it's the practical skills, like an HVAC technician, or like an electrician, or whatever, where it's like- we need that. The ability to be like, oh, hey, my shit is broken or whatever. Come help me out. We don't have that. We're just like, yeah, I uh, <laughs> I write for a magazine. Um, That's hilarious. I, I really like the thought that you guys had to get into to be like, be like we need we now we need people with actual life skills to help us. <laughs> See, if I was designing my fantasy hockey league like this, I'll be like, I want a guy that owns a pizza shop. I want a guy that owns a bar. I want to, you know what I mean? So like mm-hmm. I would have like a friend that owns one of everything so that like we could be like but i i do like the technical skills aspect too so both are good yeah but it also like they have to be a good guy and like have to be like down with the nonsense and also invest in the fantasy baseball and like sport like there's, it's a very fine <laughs> line to thread it's but... just super niche all right next good email luck. from the aforementioned ben milliman subject line tammy says so i haven't watched tammy and the t-rex yet i'm trying to get a group of friends together to watch it it's a good way i to saw do the it. trailer and thought how have i not seen this before it looks hilarious it I is. showed it to Linny, and she gave me a look and asked if I expected her to watch it sober. I told her I would be sober as well, because she can't drink or smoke. Ah. Pregnant. She's still unsure about watching it, LOL. Also, I keep trying to convince her that we should do a Nicolas Cage party where we all watch Nicolas Cage movies and dress up as a character he plays. I think I'm almost there. Well, <laughs> that's blending kind of the uh, the West Hampton side of things and, like, the Nicolas Cage party that I went to for Halloween. Like, that's a couple different things. Like, that feels... And just you, the Cage Club Podcast me. Network. 
you probably should wait till Lenny's not pregnant. When you have a baby and time is more limited, is that how you're going to want to spend a night? Like a date night, a friend night? Yeah, why not one night, you know what I mean? To watch Tammy and the T-Rex? And just get ripped? That would be like the perfect thing to do. I don't know if you can really get ripped if, when you're a parent. Not with the child, like, you know, like, their their grandparents' house, and you have, like, a group night, and then you come home. As somebody, I mean, you have a lot of friends, I think, who have children, too. Like, as somebody who has, like, a lot of friends with children, like, those nights off are so rare, and, like, I can't advocate for Tanny and the Teenage T-Rex to be your night activity. Like, that's... I can't advocate to watch that move, movie sober. You might just have to let this one go, Ben. Like, it feels like maybe <laughs> in a different life, you know, maybe a year ago, it's a different thing, but now... It's tough. Yeah. It's tough. I don't know. It's the, the choice is yours, brother. Well, if you do watch it, let us know. Yep. Last email, Joe, from... Well, actually, we got one more email from Rachel, who sent in a car picture, so we'll do that in a couple okay, episodes. Cool. No, she said something like, oh, I found a car picture that I wanted to send in to you guys, and I was like, you just say it to me, but didn't send the email? I can't do anything with this information. The last email I'm going to read, though, is from... West Hampton, subject line Hobbs and Shaw. What up, fam? What up, Wes? How are you doing, brother? Great episode. I love hearing Brian back on the show. I love that Carrot enjoyed the movie so much. I would have been really sad if she had never come around on Hobbs. I'm sad that she's almost done, but I can't wait to hear a recap in a couple of weeks. I do like having Brian back. I, I, you guys see that, you know, Brian gets one ride along a, a lap, and I, I like it. I always, ha- I mean, he's he's a great dude, so it's fun to just bullshit with him in general. It was fun having him and Kara. It, it feels very familial when you have, like, him, Kara, or him and Mike building the crew together, and you start getting different dynamics, and they're all great people, so yeah. I think it makes the episodes a lot of fun. And Brian will be back next lap, uh, I yeah. think solo, unless something happens, I think he'll be back solo for one episode, so... Keep an eye out for that. Keeping that streak alive. Wes says, I love this ridiculous Austin fast food debate from like five years ago was a pillar of your podcast. I have to disagree with Brian, though. No one will make fun of you for eating In-N-Out in Texas. I ate In-N-Out in Texas. I'm actually going back to California soon. And one of the main goals is just that I want In-N-Out. Is that going to be on your layover to Hawaii or is this a separate trip? I'm going to Hawaii for a week. And then I come back for a week. And then I'm going to California for like three days or something like i'm literally going to see the the penguins are going to be on the west coast so i'm going to see two hockey games and eat in and out like that's my whole plan matt's flying to meet me there and like our plan was in and out hockey that's it (laughs) drink i mean yeah wes says for that so brian i would agree that kevin hart might fit the bill because like joey said he's very competent in his job just like brian and then wes says even though you guys still think still seem to think he's not and he misuses his resources to help out a group of criminals who he believes are doing the right thing, just like Brian. That's a good point. Brian That's was a good, good cop, FBI agent. He just wasn't loyal to them in the end. This doesn't mean <laughs> he was bad at detective work or catching people. He just had to decide who his real family was. <laughs> yeah. I get where he's coming from, but at the same time... If you're letting criminals go, you're not a good cop. (laughs) Yeah, that's like like top tier. You're letting them go. Then Wes writes a big paragraph about how Hobbs and Shaw, he says, you guys talked about how we just know Hobbs and Shaw will win, uh, how it reminds him of the latest episode of Supernatural. And there's a bunch of paragraphs in there. I have zero basis for Supernatural. So I'm going to skip this, Wes. I hope that's okay. But if you're into Supernatural and you want to uh, pick Wes's brain about that, I'm sure he'd be happy to talk about that because there's a bunch of stuff here about latest episode of Supernatural. Yes. And then he says, based on the fact that they want to have Keanu as the head of Etion, leads me to believe that we've never met that character before, the leader of Etion. Mm. I don't know at what point they decided not to use him, but if they were considering it, that means they weren't planning on using a known character, which I think is true, That's but I also point. think 
by leaving it open, it could be like, well, it actually is Cypher. Like, maybe they're like, oh, this is actually a better idea. We've definitely been through them editing the script close to shooting time. I can see both ideas. I, I like Wes's logic, and I hadn't thought of that, but I don't trust them to keep an idea if they come up with a better one. I think that they would adjust on the fly, and I give them credit for that, right? Yeah. losing Paul Walker and stuff like that. Like, they're going to make some edits, and they're not scared to do it. He says, that's it for this week. Until next time, stay furious, Wes. Thank you for writing in, Wes. If you want to write in, family at cageclub.me. We've had a really good run of emails here. On the streets, we're going to sort of skip, I think, for now, because this is like kind of an off week. It's a pit stop week, but also because a lot of the news, there is a lot of news, but we've already talked about it in the future. In Back the future. to the future. <laughs> Shout out, Wes. But before we get to the break, before we talk about The Skulls by Rob Cohen, let us first talk about the Fast and the Furious Minute, Minute 33, a minute I called because it has to be called. You can have any brew you want. The Buster brought me back. You can have any brew you want, as long as it's a Corona. Thanks, man. That's Vinci, so enjoy it. You... Hey, bro, you got a bathroom? Yeah, upstairs, first door on the right. You got no call being up in here. You don't know that fool for shit. Yeah, he's right, dog. Since there was a time when I didn't know you. That was in the third grade. Yeah. Yeah, so what girls are here? So in this minute, as you just heard, Dom gives Vince's beer to Brian. Brian wipes off the beer, takes a sip while staring at Vince, and then immediately mm-hmm. goes to the bathroom. Vince angrily marches over to Dom, pushes a dancing party girl who keeps dancing while flipping Vince off, which I thought was really funny. I never noticed that before. And then Vince and Leon tell Dom about their concerns about Brian again, and then Dom defends Brian again. The most notable, the most memorable thing in this minute is the, we get the Corona line. Like, this is the... This is the moment. This is the line, yes. I didn't realize how much silence there is in this moment. Brooding silence. I have, like, one kind of sign thing. There wasn't really much signage in this. It's just a lot of face magic, face acting, right? Brian has a watch on, and you can kind of make it out, but it's it's a black watch, white numbers. It was kind of, like, uh, hard to figure out though so like i'm looking around trying to find a way to find this watch it looks like it's a luminox it's either a luminox deep dive automatic 1500 divers watch or it's a luminox original navy seal 3001 watch i was debating which one it is it kind of they look very similar i it could be either one is this a brand that you knew before or is this a brand that you were just like googling watches to find one because I, I i don't i'm not a watch guy you know what i mean like i don't i'm I don't definitely have not this a my, watch in my guy. knowledge if you asked me to like list brands of watches off the top of my head luminox would not have come up when i saw the logo i was like that looks vaguely familiar the deep dive like the divers watch the 1500 they're all around two thousand dollars right wow okay the navy seal watch 
is only 375 straight from Luminox if you wanted to buy it today. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking, at this point, Brian's just an undercover cop. I do not think he has a $2,000 Luminex that looks like a $300 Luminex. I agree with you. Or is he trying to flash a little bling to fit more in, like, I got cash to, to flash around? You know what I mean? Like, it, you could make an argument for either, but I'm prone to agree with you that it's probably the cheaper one. That's what I'm saying. So I thought that it could be both, but I'm taking a guess that it's going to be the cheaper one. This watch is totally my aesthetic. Of like, if I had to pick a watch, it would probably be this. Do you like it? I think it's cool. I mean, I didn't... It's plain. It's basically, when you think of a watch, it's like this. There's like a little bit more markings on it in terms of like whatever you need in terms of like the seconds, in terms of the hours, whatever, but it's a straightforward watch. watch. There's there's no no (laughs) flair here. No, exactly. It's just like a watch. The cool thing about Luminex watches, Luminox watches, is that they like just glow forever and they don't need a backlight. Did you know this? No, okay. If like you look at your wrist, like it will always be glowing. So it's pretty cool. Sounds like they should have sponsored this episode. Yeah, I gotta use the new watch. I'm not a watch guy. We, you said this too. Like I have my phone and like the wrist thing. I mean, minus my leather wristlets that I wear every day. I don't like being being shackled. I don't want to have to swing my wrist around. And I also like I don't have like very very large hands. And they usually make these watches now like fucking huge. So, like, it looks weird, and it also is, like, just too big. I still can't make out what the sound system is, like, the speaker and the CD player. It's basically just, like, 2000s boombox. I'm assuming it's, like, a Sony, right? We all had, like, Sony ones or something. Mm -hmm. And they were all silver. I get that, but, like, I can't distinguish it enough to say it. But they all look were, like, silver CD player, two speakers. So yep. I mean, this is the half step up where like it looks like it's the detachable speakers where you can like move them a little bit. Yeah, as opposed to the built-in one. But yeah, it's not a super fancy setup he's got. The ones that like just clip into the sides and you can like slide them up and just take them. Yeah, with the very flimsy speaker wire running from them to the base. In terms of the fashion, while we're talking about fashion, there Dom is wearing a metallic ring that's like looks like uh, silver rings, like circles around his left. It's a chain. ring finger. They look more like washers, like they look like yeah. you know what I mean. It's like a '90s like hot topic type thing. Like it's... yes, I mean he's also wearing like a, a a wallet guard, like a chain in his wallet. You know what I mean? That's like what I'm saying. So yeah, he's it's more chain out. But shit. I was wondering less so about the actual style of the watch or the style of the ring, and more so about the fact that like. He's wearing it on his left hand on his ring finger. Like, did people think... Oh, he is? Yeah. Did people think that he was married? Are you saying, do characters think he was married in the film? Characters in the film, I guess, are also people watching it who are, like, watching this closely. Because, I mean, he and Letty are clearly together, but at the end of this minute, he says... This is what I yeah, want to Yeah, talk so about. what girls are here? It's like, what is going on? Like, it feels... It's, you know, he's, he's, he's in a precarious, you know, what's his relationship status? That's exactly what I was wanting to focus on. I think that this lends lots of credence to my open relationship theory. That he's wearing a ring that is on his ring finger... He's clearly with Letty. We know coming up in the next minute, they like go upstairs together to get a massage. But he asks Vince and Leon what girls are here. Right. And that's very telling. And that's a line that I never caught until we broke down this minute right now. He says it very quietly and sort of under his breath, right? He's just like, yeah, so what girls are here? And then I think it's like immediately Letty's like, hey, we're going upstairs now. No, you see the shot of Letty's face being like, you yeah. motherfucker. Yeah. Like, that's what, how what this you, minute ends. What are you doing? He's definitely not acting as if, like, Letty is his wife, right? You can have an open marriage. Is there a situation where you're asking your 
other male friends at a party, what girls are here, and you just mean f- friend-wise? You could also be, I mean, it's a weird question. I, I I would tend to agree that he's like, who do I want to mack on or whatever, but like, he could yes. also, I could see him asking like, you know, what girls are here, who are you trying to get with or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, because he sees Oh, maybe he's trying girl. to like bro-guide them? Yeah. Letty's reaction doesn't say that though. Her face says, stop thinking about this. Just to have a debate, because if we're going to agree on everything, what's the point of having a podcast? Just to have, as a devil's advocate, it could also be the fact that like, he stormed in here, got all angry at everything. She sees that he like just needs to relax or whatever. Independent of him asking about girls, she could just be like, let's go upstairs, like, let's get your mind off this. Or the fact that he was almost arrested, he's angry. Like, there's a lot of different things that he should yeah. just be like, this is a shitty situation. Let's go upstairs, just you and me, and let's hang out. By the way, give me a massage. But at the end of this minute, you see him say what girls are here, and then the shot of her scowling. Those are tied together to be like, she's disapproving of him saying that. We will see for sure, though, next minute, how that actually plays out. But I think, I mean, we know how it gets there, but I, I would agree that it's to a certain extent that, you know, he came in here and he's pissed at her, too, because he's just like... Because she left, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, she was very casual about it. I mean, well, they don't have cell phones or anything. It's not, like, today, so... But that was actually not a bad minute. I'm glad that we got to talk about some of these things. I like when we, like, break it down hard like that, so... So the last thing about the minute, though, is what question... I think the only question we can do is, what brew can you have? Option one, any. Option two, any brew. Option three, any brew you want. Or option four, any brew you want as long as it's Corona. I like that. When I was watching this, I was taking a gander for a different question. How long have Vince and Dom known each other? Oh, since the third grade. Well, yeah. Okay. I like that. So it could yeah. be like when, three when did years Vince and Dom meet? Yeah. since the third grade, forever. So that's that was what I was focusing on when I was... Uh... Five years ago, high school, third grade, or from birth. Yeah, that's birth. a yeah. good point. I like that. Okay, cool. Yeah, that so, was yeah, in I the think... third grade. <laughs> yeah. It feels like, actually, you know, speaking of Keanu before, Keanu could pl- kind of play the Vince role. He could. Early 90s Keanu. Utah. I'm thinking specifically about, like, Johnny Utah. Like, That's what I said, Speed yep. or, what's his name? Jack Travern? Travern? I don't know. Jack Traven. Yeah, I was right. Jack Traven from Speed. Like, it feels like he's got this intensity that just, you know, I would, I'd like to see Keanu in a bigger role, but I feel like... Vince kind of has the energy, like, the third, like, just the anger there, I feel like Keanu could sort of channel. Yeah, and, like, the California type. You're right. If you if you put Keanu in this movie, he'd have to be Vince. Any other thoughts about the minute before we take a break and then talk about the skulls? No, other than, like, th- I spent way too much time trying to figure out what fucking watch that was today. You said, like, there's nothing for me to look at. I'm, like, trying to figure out the watch. You're like, that's all I was going to do anyway. So I was like, cool. All right, good. Yeah, so I spent a lot of time trying to figure out this watch. <laughs> cool. That was it. Wes, hit us with that interlude, and we'll be right back. Episode number 69, The Skulls. This episode's brought to you by Ka Tequila. Every bottle is an individual handcrafted work of art, and no two bottles are the same. Ka's unique packaging, in turn, is inspired by traditional Calaveras sugar skulls used in Dios de los Muertes rituals to symbolize death and rebirth. Thank you, Ka Tequila. All right, Joe, The Skulls, our final pit stop here in the lap five, the driving school Brian O'Connor oh. lap. 
just in case people out there have not seen this movie, which I don't blame them because like it's not streaming. Like you have to pay to stream it. I think they played it out like on cable in the two thousand era. I think it's, it's on Cinemax done. right now, but like oh, cool. there's no there's no Max Go app. Like there's HBO Go, there's a Max Go app, but there's no Max Go app on literally any streaming device other than iPhone, like iOS. Like you can Here. mirror to an Apple TV, but it's like. Just throw it on like on a on a Fire Stick, I can watch it. On an yeah. Xbox, I can watch it. On a PS4, I can watch it. On an Apple TV, I can watch it. I'm not gonna mirror. Just get your act together. But luckily, deals all day at Rasputin found this very cheap. Since you've seen this so many times, can you please give so us a many. quick rundown of what the Skulls is about? The Skulls is about a secret society at Yale University. Unnamed. Oh, they don't say Yale in the movie. They have Y's all over the place, but they never once say Yale. And and the Skulls is at Yale. I'll get into yeah, that. Yeah, but they just straight up never say that. It's a secret society at Yale University. Our main character here, what's his name? I just kept writing down Joshua Jackson. Lucas. Lucas McNamara, that's his name. Lucas wants to join the Skulls. He gets inducted into the Skulls, and then, like, shit breaks bad. And that's pretty much the whole movie. And then he has to get out of it. He has to basically make the shit go not bad. Yeah, he has to un he has to unfuck the shit. And that's the movie. Also starring, <laughs> of course, Paul Walker, and also starring yes. Hill Harper as his friend, the journalist, and Leslie Bibb as, his, as Joshua Jackson's love interest. And also, yes. in some background role... I did not see her, but she's only credited as co-ed uh, Malin Ackerman in this movie, probably for one shot or one Who's scene. That? So she's you. What would you know Malin Ackerman from? She was Silk Spectre, the new Silk Spectre in Watchmen, the movie from ten years ago or whatever. She was nope. also in Harold and Kumar, I think. She uh. was in Trophy Wife, which is an amazing show on, a- on ABC for a year. Okay. She's in the Nicolas Cage movie that no one has seen except for me and Mike, and we love it. Most known for Watchmen, The Final Girls, which is great. Happy Thank You More, Please, which I've never seen, and 27 Dresses, which I have not seen. She looks con- she looks vaguely familiar. I think she was on Children's Hospital for a while, and she's on that new spin-off show, Medical Police, on Netflix, which I have not gotten okay. to yet. Anyway, she's in one shot. But yeah, it's mostly Joshua Jackson and Paul Walker and Leslie Bibb. It's a lot of Paul Walker, right? You, we do get a healthy dose of Paul Walker in this. I want to hear your thoughts. We haven't talked <laughs> about it yet. You said, I said that I really like this movie. Yes. We watched, rewatched it again last night. Rachel really enjoys this movie. You said you were nervous. I think it was because I hype it and I love it so much that you might not enjoy it as much. I want to hear your thoughts on it. This is the first time I'll hear them. So I didn't hate it. But I did not okay. really like it at all. It feels like I kind of missed the boat on this one because I think, like, objectively, this is not a good movie. I think the pacing is all over the place. I think it's confusing. Like, my biggest issue, I was watching for Paul Walker, obviously, and yes. it's a weird movie in that it feels like he should already be in the skulls. I think it's very weird, narratively, that he's also getting inducted into the skulls at the same time as Joshua Jackson. Well, his dad is in the skulls. So. His dad is, but he's not. In the beginning of the movie, when Joshua Jackson's on his sculling team, his rowing team, which, by the way, sculling, Boy in Blue, Nicolas Cage movie, but sculling is an old, mm. old-timey old sport. In the beginning of the movie, when he's rowing with his team, with his crew team, and Paul Walker is, like, watching from afar, it feels like he doesn't have a care in the world, which I guess is true, but it feels like he, he should already yeah. be in the society. I disagree. Because he's going through the same shit as Joshua Jackson, who is a nobody. Like, it feels like the fact that they have to deal with the same stuff, but they're from literally two sides of the, or two different sides of the track, Paul Walker is going to be in no matter what, because he's, you know, a legacy, essentially. But yes. Joshua Jackson is a nobody, and they still have to deal with the same stuff. It just feels like this weird class discrepancy that they never touch on and never actually matters. It feels weird that they're no, equal, No, that's the whole premise not. of the movie. How do you not... It's the premise of the movie? It's the class discrepancy between the two. The governor 
was a peasant as well, and that's why he helps Lucas McNamara, the kid that's the poor kid getting into the skulls, the rower, the disparity in classes between Paul Walker's dad and the governor is the same dynamic that they have. And that's why he's looking out for him throughout the movie. I get the fact that he, like, this is like a safety, a safety net to him, but I feel like there's not enough setup established in the beginning because it just feels like all of his problems are solved 15 minutes in the movie. He's just like, I'm a skull now, here's $10,000. I'm a skull now, my life is set. I'm a skull okay. now, any law firm I want to, you know, any law school I want to get into, I'm just into. It feels like from the very beginning, we know that he's busting his ass and working these jobs or whatever, but it feels like his problems are solved immediately. But then he gets a new set of problems. Right, which is not great storytelling. It does throw me for a loop 15 minutes in, all of his problems are solved. So you're like, okay, this is over. What can happen? And then they throw in like a wacky murder. Okay, cool. There's a more layered textured level of problems that he now faces when he gets into the upper crust. It's not really layered. It's just that they murdered his best friend, which was very telegraphed. For like, when he's investigating the skulls, it's like, this is not going to end well. Plus, he's black. It's just like, this is, this yes. is, not, this is not good. It's not good. He's very clearly going to die just because that's the kind of movie this is. And I was like, oh boy. And yep. then he dies maybe 30 minutes in. And I feel like there's the ability for the movie to play something very interestingly with Paul Walker and like how he reacts to that event. And we don't get that until the last like 10 minutes of the movie. Like I feel like there's too much Paul Walker or not enough Paul Walker. Okay. This is Joshua Jackson's movie. And I know that we're watching for Paul Walker. Like it feels like it's like these two guys are going through it. Like we never get inside Paul Walker's head. No. And, and you get Paul Walker in chunks, right? Like you're constantly following Lucas, but you, you get Paul Walker in like separate chunks and it should be a part where like after the murder, it is, Paul Walker and Lucas the whole time, right? Like, split screen. We never follow Paul Walker to see what he's doing. It's always in connection with Lucas. It feels like they're not showing us what actually happened with the murder just to make the movie be more tense because the the murder quote-unquote the murder was an accident that he was just chasing this guy like it, i think you know it's understandable that like this guy is threatening to expose you know your yes. secret society your father's secret society you're gonna chase after him the guy falls breaks his neck or whatever you he freaks out like what actually happens is that he freaks out he calls his dad his dad's like just leave we'll handle it and then later you find out that the guy wasn't actually dead, that they came in there, they Mm -hmm. killed him. If we had seen that earlier, I feel like the character, the Paul Walker character, the Caleb Mandrake, his character could have been a lot more interesting if, like, he had worked with Joshua Jackson to kind of take down the skulls together or escape the skulls together or something, because it feels like that's the kind of moment where he's like, oh, this is bad. All my life, I wanted to be a skull like my dad, and now here, I find out yep. that it's a society where, like, they're covering up murders. It's like, oh, I don't want a part of this. Because it feels like at the end, when he shoots his dad, he's yes. on the right side of things. He's just like, I can't let this go on anymore, right? We don't get that. And, like, we we just see him as the villain, even though internally, he's got all this turmoil that he wants to be turned. And I feel like it's, like, pushed off narratively just because they want the end to be more suspenseful. When, like, in reality, I think the movie could be better and more interesting and more suspenseful in general if they're together. Because they are together, and then all of a sudden this thing happens and we don't know the details just because the movie doesn't tell it's us. Hiding like, it from yeah. us, yeah. Like I was frustrated by that. Like I feel like there's a better movie in here of them trying to escape or whatever. Because it becomes 
Joshua Jackson against Paul Walker, but like that's not actually... You get kind of the end result you want, but they also don't give you the full closure that you're wanting, which is seeing them both leave and be like, okay, we're going to have a normal life now. Right. Both of them. I actually am assuming that at the end of this, Paul Walker just is a skull anyways. I mean, he tries to kill himself. He's still fucking set. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, he shot sure. his dad... Like, he shot him in the skulls thing. Like, they're going to get rid of it. Like, he's not, like, going to jail or anything about this, so... The other thing to keep in mind is that, like, the movie doesn't really give a shit what happens to Paul Walker, because he's just a secondary character. Like, I think that's my issue, and I think because I was watching specifically for him, his character is just confusing. Like, I feel like he's not fleshed out enough. Like, I get... I understand the Joshua Jackson thing. Like, he's a poor kid who suddenly strikes it rich, and, like, he's trying to be fair to his friends and to his friends from home, but also to his new secret society people. Like, I get that. Like, I think that is not necessarily new, but that's understandable. Like, I get that. Like, Mm -hmm. I have no problem with that. It's the Paul Walker thing, specifically for this lab, because we're watching for Brian. I don't understand what's driving him. Over on Wistful Thinking which, you know, Kara Hosso, Jordan, like they Mm -hmm. talk a lot about movies being about the wrong person. And I feel like Ah. the movie is told in a way that it's Joshua Jackson's movie, but it feels like the interesting story here is the kid who was set for life and then sees like, oh shit, I didn't realize, I thought this was all just like, we're rich and beautiful women and cars and the glory and whatever. Like, I think seeing the seedy underbelly for what it is is a more interesting thing, especially because we. I want to see more Paul Walker. You know what I mean? I like the idea. I do think Paul Walker has a very interesting story in this, and the and the Caleb Mandrake character is very, very interesting. To fix this for you, the resolutions should have been, they're intimately tied once Paul Walker arrives, and they're connected. Maybe they are fighting against each other, but they're working together to both leave. Like, the end goal is the same, and we see that resolution. Or a split-screen kind of film that you're following each on their own trajectory, and they kind of lead to the same conclusion at the end, right? Right. That's what I think would help fix this in your brain, and to give you the wants that I agree would make it a better movie. That you're following Caleb on his own path, you're following Luke on his own path, although they seem like they're going to be different outcomes... At the end, they're like, oh, shit, we both should not do this for different reasons because of themselves. Like, I think the parts are here. The outline is here and the character motivations are here. But I feel like what they choose to focus on doesn't tell the story, like the most interesting story that it could be. And I feel like they're hiding things just to be like, look at all this bad stuff that's going on. It's like, because you know that, like, in a certain extent, like, bad things are going to happen in the end, either, like, he's going to make it to the end, there's going to be, like, some kind of big resolution just because that's the movie, right? But it just feels like there wasn't really a surprise. You weren't surprised by the end? I mean, I'm surprised that, like, it led to a duel, but I'm also like, oh, what the fuck is this? Like, it just, what's what's Zany. the quote? Oh, living, live, live, live by the rules, die by the rules. Like, yes. I know that that's going to mean something, but just, like, a duel? Like, what? It's surprising, but it's not, like, satisfying. Yeah, but the movie is like it's a 90s essentially a 90s teen movie, right? Like But it doesn't mean it has to be bad or it can't be good. No. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying like you got to give it it's like Cuz like imagine if earlier in the movie they had set up the fact that like, oh, can you believe like my dad had to kill a guy in a duel? The fact like it's not set up at all, it's just like here's the book of rules and then like it just feels but we like we don't know the book of rules. Yes. Yeah. It's just, okay. it's literally deus ex machina that, like, Joshua Jackson needs a way to, like, get out of this, to not be pursued anymore. It's like, oh, in this book of rules, which we've talked about, but not in detail, there's something in here that's going to let me out. 
oh, by the way, it's a duel. I do love that he opens the book and the first page he lands on is duel. And is like, yep, that was it. Like, it's like something in this book will help me. He's like, let me try to figure this out. Opens the page, sees duel, and goes, that's it. Closes the book. Like, it feels like this is the kind of thing that was based upon, like, a source material. But, like, it just this is just an original movie. Like, it feels like this is, like, a book that was condensed that they're trying to yeah. get different perspectives. And, like, he's, you know, mm-hmm. thumbing, thumbing through all this stuff. And they have, like, there's, like, a montage of, like, him and Leslie Bibb trying to figure out how to do this or whatever. And then it feels very Harry Potter, right? Like, it's a Harry Potter kind of... They had to spend all night in the library reading the book to figure it out. But instead, just like, oh, hello, book. Oh, yes, duel. Okay, cool, (laughs) done. You don't have to telegraph exactly what's coming, but, like, set things up so that they actually have a payoff later. Because, like, otherwise, it's just like, oh, okay, that's crazy. Can you believe he almost killed him? Wow. Fair, yeah, this is totally fair. Have you fully sussed out your your gripes with the film i have other notes that i've written down that are just like what is this but like that's the big thing it's like watching for paul walker i think there was a weird amount of paul walker i didn't really Mm -hmm. understand his character i just wish it was a better movie like i don't mind the movie i think there's an interesting story here but it just it's not the version that i wanted to be so that's my overall that's fine issue with it but yes yeah that's 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 my high picture my high level how do you feel about his friends at the beginning of the movie the journalist mm-hmm. and his girlfriend both being kind of assholeish about him getting into the skulls yeah. when we had established that this was his lifelong dream. He's been working up to this moment. And then as soon as he gets the call to be in the skulls, his friend just becomes a huge douchebag to him. I think that's more of the artificial drama. It's just the, I think that they're worried, and I think it's right to be worried that, like, you're going to lose a friend to this thing, because, like, the skulls can be good, but there's also, it can be bad, right? Like, it's like, yeah. it has formed great men, but it's also covered up impossibly terrible. Like, in this movie, they cover up a murder, right? Like, they frame a murder as a suicide. Like in this And movie, even if they don't know what's happening, they know it's powerful in some yes. form. There's the right to be afraid, but I feel like because we don't know them enough, it, it's also unclear, like, what his relationship is with Leslie Bibb, but just, like, are they just friendly and flirty online? It's like, oh, no, they both love each other. Like, it's clear, I think, that he loves her, but, like, she doesn't reciprocate any of that, so, like, the fact that she cares so much, it feels like a lot of shorthand. Like, not that I ever really want movies to be longer, but I feel like if they had set up the relationship dynamics there a little bit more, it would have felt a little bit more earned that, like, they get pissed even though it's their friend's ultimate dream. Or, like, that they're able to show that they're upset, but, like, give them the benefit of the doubt, because it just feels like everything happens so fast. Like, he gets the call, he literally leaves them without saying goodbye, I'm going to go leave overnight. I come back. I'm a skull now, but I can't talk I can't talk to you about it. And like it feels like there's no steps in between where he's like, "Hey, I wish I could tell you about this, but I can't." But like we can still mm-hmm. be friends. Because it's not like you can only be friends with Skulls, right? I think that you eventually will only be friends with Skulls, but it's sure. not like that's what it is. That It reminded me of our conversation when you were telling the story about yesterday, the movie. Mm-hmm. They were friends, and they apparently have known each other the whole time they're in college, right? So he spent yep. like three years with this woman that he seems to have always kind of had a crush on, and she was just like, oh, these are my two guy friends. All of a sudden, he becomes a skull, and the other one gets murdered, and he, and she's like... I'm in love with you. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, no shit you're in love with him now. Like, he has, like, this dope car and, like, all this money. It was such a cop-out. I felt offended that they made the the woman fall in love with him when he gets money and material things instantaneously you got me i never i never noticed how handsome you were before before you had all this money and i was like oh god this is so terrible or like another bad way to look at it is that she's like in to some extent in love with both of them and then one dies she's like well now i don't have to make a choice like now you know life made a choice for me 
you're my guy. I was liking the other kid. He was in the lead, but, you know, he's dead now. For the record, of the two of them, like, the journalist kid is definitely, like, more her type. Like, it feels like she, oh, they, yeah. they should be together, like, easily. Oh, yeah, for sure. I agree. So then I was thinking about this. I was talking about this, and I proposed a question to Rachel that I would like to propose to you. Go for it. If you had the opportunity to become a skull, knowing that what it meant, getting your car getting all this cash, knowing that you want to go to law school and they're going to pay for it and get you in, would you kill off a friend that you've known for three years that's (laughs) kind of being a dick about it at the time? Keep in mind, I wouldn't bring a corona into our movie theater. I'm not going to murder a guy. You don't murder him. So I'm thinking, like, in the the scale of this movie, he disappears... He's dead. You know, you you know it's probably your boys that did it, right? It's probably the skulls that did it. But if you don't dig, you never know. He could have just disappeared. So, like, hypothetically speaking, if, like, Brian Rodriguez was killed, we're just like, ah, shit, the skulls did it, but, like... No, but, like, but Brian was being a dick for, like, the past week and a half. <laughs> Like a huge asshole like, out of nowhere. Th- you're friends for three years, and then he's a dick for a week and a half, and then he dies. I'm like, it just feels no. I would be upset. Imagine if you were like, you were like, hey Brian, I bought my house, and he's like, that was fucking stupid. And you're like, dude, like I like I really wanted to buy this house. This was like a cool thing to me. And he's like, fuck your house. But I also feel like that's not the full story. It's like we're hanging out, and then I get a call, and I just leave without saying goodbye. <laughs> and you're like, and I bought then a come house. back. And I'm an asshole now. You're not an asshole. You're just like, hey dude, I had a long night. Like I can't really talk about this. You know how it's going. But it's your it's your dream. Like you you hit the fucking peak. I feel like this movie also is based on the idea that like they have never had the conversation before. One day I'm gonna be a skull, hopefully, and like we need to we need to know what that's gonna be like when I become a skull because like things are gonna change. Like it feels like whether it's romantic or just friendship, it's like, hey, there's gonna be certain things like they never had that conversation, just like No, but they do they kind of hint that they have had this. Then somebody didn't listen in that conversation because like <laughs> there is very poor communication after it happens. Yeah, I'm getting to the point. <laughs> Wait, are you saying that, yes, you would be okay with it? Yeah. If it happened and I was like, hey, I can turn a blind eye to this mm-hmm. and live, like, the dopest life ever yeah. or dig to find a friend I've known for three years but was being a huge dick about me being in the skulls, I think I could be okay with it. I wouldn't be happy about it. I wouldn't interfere with the cops, but I wouldn't help them either. <laughs> Sorry, it disappeared on us. Oh, no, no, he didn't disappear, sorry. He, he, like, he committed suicide. I'd be like, that's fishy, but he was sad that one time. Better not look into that too hard. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I would be okay with it. So when I said, when I proposed this to Rachel, she said, well, what kind of friend is it? <laughs> and I was like, one that you've known for three years that was being a dick? And she's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm like... But it feels like, feeling... in, in this case, like, you're not your only friend, but, like, your only friend at college. Yeah. Because he's got his townie friends, right? But it also feels like that he has lost them as friends kind of because he now goes to Yale. Yes. But you see that he doesn't get them murdered, and he doesn't... He cares about them. He gives them a car. He brings them a present that's their birthday. He remembers their birthdays. This was my ultimate reason why I'm okay with, in this specific situation, killing off this kid and having no real feelings about it. Caleb's dad, Mm -hmm. Paul Walker's dad, Mm -hmm. says, what did you do for Thanksgiving last year to Lucas? And Lucas said, I spent it at a Pizza Hut. If they were close enough friends, he would have spent Thanksgiving with his mom, and we established that he knows his mom because he goes to tell his mom his son's dead. You weren't that good of a friend. If your friend was not good enough to invite you over for Thanksgiving and you had to spend it at Pizza Hut when he knows that you're pretty much an orphan, 
I'm fine with him committing suicide in quotation marks and me living the dopest life ever for the rest of my life. I think the way that you're asking the question is in the movie's very simplistic logic, like, kill mean guy, happy life, go yes? <laughs> <laughs> like, removing the morality of it. No, that's, I, I just wanted to, I just want to suss out this, this, this feel do you think the kid was really that bad? Is is what the actual question is, right? Was he really being a shitty friend? Was Joshua Jackson being a shitty friend to Will or to Hill or whatever to to the journalist kid, or is yes. he or the journalist kid being a shitty friend to him, or both? Is ways? the journalist kid being a shitty friend to him? Yeah, but I also feel like it's hard to describe or hard to talk about because like everything happens at the same time. It's just like he's a skull now, and also by the way, now I'm going to have like now I finally have access to the skulls. I'm going to take pictures and get myself killed. It's like all this happens in the same day, essentially. It's just like, oh. Yeah. Okay, like there's no time to process how anybody's feeling about things because it's just like everything is different. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I was trying to figure out if this movie is pro-skulls or anti-skulls in terms of like its messaging or just like, look at this mysterious group. Um, I think it's anti-upper crust. I think that these things are very fascinating and something that like, I didn't touch on is that I liked this movie as a kid. This was like a high school movie for me. The whole concept was cool to me. I didn't know about secret societies and like their influence before I saw this movie. And then I realized like, oh shit, this is a real thing. I mean, obviously not like murders and stuff like that, but this thing exists, whatever. Then I wound up here, Mm -hmm. right, in New Haven. So like I'm now in the thick of this. And when I had first got an apartment here, we literally lived like a block and a half away from the actual Skull's house. Right, which you I think I probably you me that before. You to. Yeah, yeah, which I thought is really, really cool. I had like you know the nostalgia ties and the real life now ties. It gives it a lot more gravity to me. I enjoy the movie. I really did like the movie as a kid. It's not like my favorite movie. It's not a movie that I'm like, oh, this this gets neglected from the great movies of the the year list or whatever. It means something special to me. So I think that that's like the cool part about it. I mean, I can see why you would like this, like you specifically also like a lot of people would like this because it is in that right around that time where you're 12, 13, 14, like you're seeing this in the theater, you're seeing it on TV. Like it just, it's of that right time, that right age. I think if you'd watch this today for the first time, you might like it, but you wouldn't have the affinity for it. Like it's kind of, it's cool to a young person, I think, or it's cool to someone who just like, who hasn't seen a thousand movies because nothing i don't think there's anything here that hasn't been done better or more clear elsewhere that's fair there's yeah. a lot of movies especially recently where it's a lot of like anti one percent you know take down like let's yes take down these people whatever right and i feel like especially now having seen a lot of those both good and bad there's more of those than ever before and it feels like if the movie is look at these bad evil men it's like well yeah i mean they killed the kid like what like there's no <laughs> there's no nuance here it's just like yeah, they're evil. But at the same time, like that's why I was asking if it was like pro or anti skulls, because it also at the same time it's just like in the same way like the Wolf of Wall Street kind of in like boiler room and everything. Yes. But they do it better yeah. where it's like, look at this lifestyle. Can you believe it? And like, uh oh, bad things. Here just like, look at this car if you can cover up your friend's death, wink wink. Like you're also assholes. Like there's you've given me no Yeah, no, I'm not I'm not on board. What are you talking about? Plus, I got a, a beautiful girl and my friends from home. I'm going to be okay. I, I don't know. The weight of his choice is like, is this woman's love greater than the materials and wealth that I will have with the skulls? Because I think that at the end, he's choosing between like her and the skulls, even more so than like 
the people that killed my friend and the skulls. I mean, the movie ends up at a place where it's not like he's trying to rationalize being a skull. It's like, well, I, I guess it is, but it's like, can I swallow the pill of what they, what, of who these people really are? Because I have a life alternative. Like, it feels like, and that's a certain kind of growth, I guess, for the character for the movie. That like, in the beginning of the movie, he doesn't really see that his current life is a life because they're joking about how like, yeah. I'm going to be a hundred thousand dollars in debt, you know, when I leave here, then another hundred fifty Harvard car. and all this different stuff and whatever, right? Used yeah. car. 80-hour weeks, no problem. That's not a life. And then he has the opportunity for the other life. He's just like, this is what it's got to be. But then by the end, the best friends were the friends we made along the way. Like, if he had been... (laughs) I don't want to fault him for being driven, but if he had instead been like, hey, there's this beautiful girl who seems to like me and I'm in love with, let me just talk to her. Like, let me not be shy. You can set up another nice life. He didn't have to go down that skull's path. It's just like he was so dead set on becoming famous, powerful, whatever, rich, that he didn't see any other viable option. Like, it just feels like he was a dumb guy, and now he's a less dumb guy because his friend got murdered. And, and like, if he just wasn't such a, like, distant shithead to his friends from home, he'd realize that, like, those were his real friends. But he had to have this somewhat asshole-ish friend who was a journalist die. (laughs) I don't think the journalist is an asshole. I just think that, like... I think he is. I think he's written to be an oblivious idiot. No, he's more of a douche. Like, I'm pro-happiness of my friends. I want to see my friends succeed. I don't like to feel jealous of people that I care about or just jealous in general. I just It's I, it's like a toxic emotion to me. I'd much rather see my friends be happy and succeed and prosperous in every form of these words. So to see him to be, like, shitty to his friend when, like, you know he was a poor kid who's, like, an orphan. He gets kind of, like, a little bit of a family and, like, some money. And also this was his dream forever to see him be like, oh, like, fuck you, you don't want to hang out with us now. And he's like, he didn't even say that. So, like, I have no respect for the journalist kid. I mean, I, I don't disagree with any of that, but I also think it's just the movie doesn't care about him as a character, as a person. It's just like, no, he's a talking board so we can establish what Joshua Jackson's life is like. And yep. then he is literally what hinges the plot. Like, he's the bad thing that happens because he is dumb and ambitious or whatever, and then a bad thing happens. He's like a plot mechanism. He's just, like, he's yes. not a person. He's just like he's a... He's a tool. He's a yes. tool for the movie, not even a character in the movie. Which is unfortunate for the only not-white person this entire movie. Yeah. In a horror movie, like, there's the classic joke, the classic trope or whatever, that the black person dies first. Like, yes. this is, to a certain extent, a horror movie. I mean, he's the only person who <laughs> dies. The fact that they essentially lynched him, I was just like, this is weird. Like, I know that they pose it as a suicide. I think when you're a hyper-aware or, like, aware of the fact that, like, this is a very white movie... The cop is... Well, the cop... You have the cop, too, but he also is... He's interesting, too. Like, I feel like there's not enough of him. Like, he's wrestling with things. Yeah. Sort of, like, is he in the pocket of the skulls, or is he not? Like, I feel like... Exactly. Are Paul Walker and Joshua Jackson soulmates? Is that the word? They use soulmates, yes. Which is weird. And that's just, like, your accountability buddy. Don't let him get lost. Like, let's get through this together or something. This is your bud. You have to be buds with this guy. We picked you as compliments. Like, you are, like, the two-person team that helps make this machine run. It seems like they actually would have been good friends character-wise, in the film. They are good compliments, and they seem very similar, although they're very diversely different, you know, in their likes and stuff, and I think that would be really cool. I wouldn't mind seeing them as, like, a buddy film. We join the Skulls, and there's, like, a happy, fun-time Skulls movie with they're just, like, doing wacky things. Like, look at the adventures we can go on. Like, that's kind of my point. Like, the, of all the stories that they could tell in this world, they choose this one? 
can we talk about Leslie Bibb teaching her computer how to paint? Like, why is that in the movie? What is what is going on? It's a way too well explained mechanism for her to like home alone them for one shot uh-huh. when they're chasing her through the thing. They spend a good minute of her like describing everything about this machine <laughs> just for her to be like for them to run in and it'd be like bang and they're like oh shit and they turn and she can get away like that's the whole setup i was like what is going on i'm like this has got to mean something but like this is this is it nonsense. didn't mean anything i also want to say that when i think of sexy entrance music for sexy ladies the first song i think is higher by creed because isn't that the sexiest you know you know the scene i'm talking about where like oh they're, yeah they're in the ballroom and then, when they like, bring all the prostitutes in. all the Whoa. skulls like classy ladies like who have been pre-assigned are you lucas and paul walker walks out with two women on his arms dope best paul walker i was like why the fuck is creed playing like what is going on like how is this <laughs> and then like later there's the fat boy slim song i'm like yeah like i get that this is like very 1999 2000 but like so of all label. the songs that have ever been written or even in that year higher by creed is like your sexy like look at these sexy ladies music <laughs> Like, what? What? It's made for 14-year-old boys. This is a movie for 14-year-old boys. Specifically, this year. That's the target demographic for this film. Like, I watch it, and when I saw it, I was like, oh, this just hits all the right notes for me, because it's, like, sexy Creed music. It's so perfect in that in that nostalgia itch, you know? Can we talk about the Cage of Truth, where they both get in, and they get <laughs> lowered down into a hole where they're facing each other, and, like... The Nicholas Cage of Truth? This is where they have to they can only tell the truth but like, it's not like they're giving a truth here which is like we're gonna put you in a cage underground and we're gonna shout questions at you and you have to tell the truth it's like well why can't we do this up here like what it- i did yes the cage mechanic of the film is very strange and do they use those cages for anything else it seems like it would take a lot it would have taken a lot of construction you mean for the skulls or to make the movie no for the skull i mean both sure because well, i feel like for the skulls is like we had this cage for something like in the movie they're also like Hey, we're playing around with the dumbwaiter because there's a pizza on the dumbwaiter. Feels like I don't know if that's tied into it or not, but it's like this cage existed for I don't know slaves or something. But like now we can just force kids to tell the truth. Like it's just it feels like for the skulls, it's like we got this shit. What are we gonna do is with it? It's an afterthought. Like it's a repurposing. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, what? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I was looking at it from the perspective like if they built this whole mechanism, and there's multiple cages, right? It's not one. Presumably, it seems like there's like six. There's right? a whole like underground layer that they go to. That makes sense specifically the cages that hang you're right it has to be repurposing because if they built them just to go tell the truth down there like i would have got halfway through digging and been like we could have come up with a better idea than this like why don't we just put another room on the side over here and everybody can fucking hear you up top why do you only need to know the truth of your soulmate in an open air place that you get lowered down into like is this meant to inspire a fight are you supposed to brawl through this I have many thoughts about that. I do. Like, why? Why so much effort? In the movie, narratively, it feels like they only go down there so they can be face-to-face and yell at each other, but even then, it's like, why is this happening? And then that's when Joshua Jackson's like, what's the worst thing you ever did? Like, kill my best friend. He's like, no, I slept with my mom's best friend. It's like, wait, what? Dude, your dad is right there. Like, he's right above you. Oh, his dad definitely fucked his mom's best friend, too, though. But, like, now it's all out in the open, and you don't get to ask your dad if he did, too. But, like, dad's listening. Like, he's right there. Maybe, like, imagine if, like, that somehow ruined your parents' relationship. I feel like once you're married to a skull like this and you've been around for like 30, 40, 50 years, whatever it's supposed to be, like, you're not getting out of it. Like, it just, this is... You, you, you just... know what it is. It's you're a trophy wife to a certain extent. Like your your husband's yeah. gonna fuck around because Fair. he's like 
one of the 15 most powerful men in the country, but you'll never know his name. And he's a governor or a judge trying to go to the yeah. Supreme Court. There is the scene where Joshua Jackson is getting chased by the car, and I'm like, why is he only running on streets where the car can chase him? I'm like, this is dumb. <laughs> and then they get to the alley, they have the townies rappelled down perfectly with, like, pro gear. I was like, where did they get this from? And then the, yes. that's when they, like, beat people with a baseball bat. Like, they have the gun, but, like... They silently rappel down somehow. I'm like, none of this is believable. And then Leslie Bibb is the driver. I'm like, okay, I guess I guess this is what we're doing now. <laughs> yeah, see? It's a lot of fun. And I'm watching this this time, trying to figure out, because like now that I've been here for a while, I'm trying to figure out like what parts of this look like New Haven, and it's none. Not <laughs> one single part of this looks like New Haven. And Rachel looked it up last night. It was like mostly shot in Toronto. I'm like, I bet another reason why he likes it now is because he recognizes places and then apparently that's not even remotely true no not even close cool none of it looks like this the shot when they're in the bar maury's maury's is a real bar and i've been there and i can't tell you if it actually looks like that inside or not it's like a bar that you have to have like this weird membership to go to so like we've had like events there and i've definitely been inside it but i cannot remember if it actually looks like that and i like looked up some pictures and i was like i guess that is it but it's like bigger it's like kind of a house so it's like bigger than just like the bar part that they were showing you but no i don't recognize any of this because it's not real when they were like loading the boats and stuff Mm -hmm. rachel and i are like where does this have to be like this has to be like somewhere down the street from us and we're like nope no idea maybe that's also why they're like it's not yale because it's not yale it's just like oh it's yale wink wink but it's just like it's toronto's yale there's many scenes like when they're like on the top of the roof stealing the snake that very much looks like yale like that like pier the spire that's behind them is like very distinctly Yale, you know? And I'm like, are they CGIing this in? Probably, because they're like on a roof. And they're using some shots of Yale, so it's very strange. Also, the Skull's house looks nothing like, you saw the Skull's house. It's just like essentially a box. They yeah. call it the tomb, and it looks like a tomb. It's just like, yeah, it's a, not this. Know, faceless. It's not like a giant mansion. There is a scene where Brian is shirtless shadow boxing for some reason yes that's just to get paul walker shirtless in the movie i think right yeah it was just eye candy for for the ladies that got drugged to this movie and then the last note that i took about this movie that i want to bring up is there's the car chase on the bridge and this is where the policeman bails them out i'm like this yes. is not good like this is not a great chase this is just like a it feels like we need a car chase here but i was just like this is kind of like an underwhelming like they're driving on the train tracks and just I guess maybe partly comparing it to Fast and Furious, which I know is, is a hard thing to compare things to, but like, yeah. like this is not exciting. In a year, Paul Walker, you're going to be in like a very exciting car scenes, but this is just like, not these in that one or whatever, but it's just like, this is kind of underwhelming, I think, for like what's supposed to be, I think, the big action set piece of the movie. I was just like, this is fine. I agree. It's a very, very bad chase. But yeah. it's, it's lovable in that sense. When you see Lucas in his apartment, and I think like Caleb shows up and he starts smashing all the uh, bugs, right? They cut across to a Panasonic TV, and I was like, oh, I think that's like almost one of the TVs that was in the Fast and Furious truck that they steal Ooh. in the first Fast and the Furious. I actually did write that down too because I was like, Brian finding bugs is very cop move of him. It is a very cop move of him, yes. And also, he walks by the TV that presumably Dom stole and then mm-hmm. sold mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and winds up in Lucas's apartment. When Brian finds his friend dead, he uses the exact same, no, no, that he does in Fast 6 when Dom's dead. Oh, so that's just like a Paul Walker acting choice. Yeah, 
So like he had already established the like, how do you react to a friend dying in the skulls? And then later brings it, he reprises the role. You, you, we talked about it, like the worst acting scene ever when he's holding Dom and Dom's like dead and he's like, no, no. And you're like, well, okay. That was my Fast and the Furious tie-ins. Cool. The only interesting trivia about this movie is that it's on Roger Ebert's list of most hated films. Uh, he gave this Why? one star. I read his review and I was hoping for something that was like very exciting and it's not like it like or funny or whatever and it's not like he just talks about how just like some drama he's like people are going to want to escape through the windows or whatever just like i don't okay like it's underwhelming but like apparently roger ebert hated this movie doesn't have a good metacritic doesn't have a good rotten tomatoes like people audiences might like it but like critics did not crazy about it rachel was very disappointed that it only had nine on rotten tomatoes like nine percent even you who had problems with the movie you have to admit that this is better than a nine that's why rotten tomatoes is a weird metric that i don't really like using because it just means that nine percent of people think this is a good movie which i think in a way it's not a bad metric like a metacritic has like a 24 which is like pretty bad like i think this should probably be like closer maybe to like a 40 30. on average 35 i was gonna 40. say 35 yeah it feels like a 35 to me that's why rotten tomatoes is such an inaccurate weird thing because like you could have a movie where everyone thinks it's a good movie but everybody thinks it's a c plus or whatever you know what i mean what's the rating on rotten tomatoes is it just thumbs up thumbs down they have people whose job it is to read reviews, and if there's, like, a no star rating or if there's no letter grade or there's no thumbs up, thumbs down, they read the review to see if it's more positive or negative. But it's basically, do they think it's a good movie or not? So it just, it's yes or no. You buy a movie now, and, like, on the cover, it's, like, certified fresh, but, like, it doesn't mean anything because I don't think that people understand how it's tallied. Like, I really do think... If you want to watch good movies exclusively or whatever, use a service like Metacritic that actually averages the rating. So, like, if you're giving a movie an 8 out of 10, it's going to average the 8 as opposed to just good. So that instead yes. of just like giving it, like, yep. a 6 out of 10 or an 8 out of 10, which is both, like, a good movie or whatever, it's actually it's, – it means more. And so this being, like, a 24, not great, but it's better than you – know, it's more telling, I think, than, like, it being a 9. I agree. Okay. That's cool. I didn't know how Rotten Tomatoes work. I, I don't really pay attention That's to That's why I don't like it because it's dumb because, like, people don't know. Like, they're just like, oh, yeah, like, uh, 100%. It's 100%. great. It's perfect. But it doesn't yeah. mean it's perfect. It doesn't mean it's 100%. It means all of the reviews are positive. That's right. what it means. That's not the same thing as this is a 100% perfect film. What does this film have on um, Letterboxd? 2.4, 2.7. Hold on, let me take a look. That feels about right. 2.4. The most common rating is a two star. Two, two and a half, and three is sort of the big thresh. The number one movie, or the number one review, the most popular review, it's not very popular. I mean, not, not a ton of people have seen this movie. Like The person says, I think I like this film that was 90% gayer and didn't suck. And uh, friend and past guest Chris Podcast gave this a one-half star rating on Letterboxd, so he hated this. Well, he's a notorious hater, so... He is. Who is the Brian in this movie, and what is the That's So Brian moment? That's So Brian! Who is the Brian in the skulls? It's probably Joshua Jackson? I have to go with the governor, because he's, he's helping break something from the inside. Sure. That's a very Brian move. I think, yeah, because he's basically, like, advanced Brian. Like, if Joshua Jackson's, like, Joshua Jackson's, like, Paul Walker or, like, Brian in the first movie, and the governor is, like, Brian in, like, seven. That's fair, yeah. He grows as he, you know, he he becomes more Brian. The most Brian-y move for me, challenging Paul Walker to a duel, and then when Paul Walker goes to kill himself, stopping him. 
from doing it. I don't think that's fair because he like when the duel happens, he turns around, he puts the gun down. He's like, I don't want to shoot you. Like, I don't want you to die. I don't want to die. Like, he's, he doesn't he doesn't challenge him to a duel because he to wants kill him. Like, yes, he, he challenges him to a duel so that he can like in front of everyone be like, admit it. This is his mic grabbing moment, right? It's not like he's like, I'm going to kill you. My problems are going to be over. It's like, we need to talk about this. You're not listening to me. We're going to live by the rules. And I also think it's simultaneously somehow Brian for Paul Walker to shoot his own dad. Like that's, that seems like a Brian move, like get challenged to a duel. The guy who's you're dueling isn't going to shoot at you, drops the gun. So you shoot somebody else. I mean, granted it's your dad and stuff like that, but that seems like a move that Brian would do for me. Those are my Brian characters and Brian moments. Do you have d- different Brian characters or Brian moments? I agree with the governor. I think either the governor or Joshua Jackson as somebody trying, you know, torn between worlds, not sure where the allegiance lies, trying to figure out good yeah. versus evil. Paul Walker falling off the roof. And then being scared by the uh, the snake from the water. Yes, yes. Or saying um, follies of a misspent youth when he ties a bow tie. <laughs> It's a very it's, Brian moment. It's very right? difficult to do this on someone else. <laughs> Any other thoughts about the skulls? No, I, re- I really enjoy this movie. I know that it has flaws and that it has special meaning to me, but I enjoy this movie. This is a movie that I introduced to Rachel that Rachel also really enjoys. It feels to me like a very teeny, dumbed-down the game. This would be a great introduction to like thrillers or like psychological movies for a younger person. Mm, I feel like you could probably... I don't agree, but I can see where I can, I respect the opinion, but... Yeah, you can see where I'm yes. where I'm coming up with this idea, but you don't agree with it. That's fair. Like, That's just fine. because someone's young, I'm not going to be like, hey, you know a movie you should really watch? The Skulls? I'm saying, like, if a teenager came up to me and was like, I saw this great, like, thriller the other day, and I'd be like, really? This is probably, like, the prime time to feed you The Skulls. If you were like, I'm getting into thrillers and I'm 12 years old, I'd be like, I got a movie for you. I feel like when you're talking about this movie, people are like, oh, yo, that's messed up. It's like, I was talking to my friend who is the only other person I know who has seen, I mean, Mike might have seen it, but I don't think, I don't remember if he saw it or not, but Nicholas Winding Refn, who directed Drive, yes. and he did Only Gosford Games yeah. and everything, he had a series mm-hmm. that came out on Amazon, came out on Amazon Net last year called Too Old to Die Young, and it stars Miles Teller in the first role that I've liked him in in years. He's great in this movie, in the, in the show. I... Do not think you should watch it because it's beautiful to look at and you are going to be so bored because it is so actively like, fuck you, try to enjoy this. And like for a while, I'm just like, this is whoo boy. And then I'm like, oh, actually, I I love that he's like this, like he just doesn't give any fucks. He's like, this is the show that I'm going to make. It basically was like no one said no to him. So okay. I was talking to my one friend, uh, Bob, who is in our fantasy baseball league. He's also one of the guys on Tub Talk. Take a drink. We were talking about how, like, when last year people were losing their minds over Joker, like, yo, can you believe how messed up this movie is? And then, like, Bob's like, yeah, but I just saw Too Old to Die Young. And, like, if you want to see, like, some real fucked up shit, like, it's on Amazon. Like, just, just, you know, just go. This is the kind of movie where, like, if you love the Joker, you're going to love the Skulls because it's like, Yo, my mind is blown. I'm not saying that if you love the skulls, you're gonna love Joker. But I just think that, like, if you're like, yo, that's that's twisted. It's just like you might. I think <laughs> I think it's like if you if you have your mind like this is the best movie of the year. Like you might like the skulls. I think that you eventually hit like a maturity point where this movie isn't mind blowing to you. And if you see it before you hit that tipping point, it will be very disappointing. And I think that that's what happened. Like 15 years old, you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's early. Like I really enjoy it. But I mean, for for you to like fucking love this movie. Movie and to be mind blown by it, you have to see it before you hit like 
the age of reason. I can see that. Yeah, it just feels like one of those, definitely one of those kind of movies like the Joker, where it's, or like like Joker, where it's just, you know, this movie is messed up. It's like, no, I can actually show you, like, actually messed up. If you want to see messed up stuff, like, I got, you want to list? Hours of it. Go Days watch Gaspar Noe's Climax. Like, you will have a, like, it, the movie's a literal nightmare. Like, go watch, not David Lynch's movies, like, go watch his short films. Like, just, like, whatever you want to do. Like, there's stuff yeah. out there that will, like, break you as a person. But, yeah, Joker is weird. Sure. <laughs> So next week, Joe, we have our Relap Recap, which we've been talking about a lot. We're going to have Kara back. We're going to get some rankings. What if I don't give you my rankings next week? That's okay. I'll just replace you with uh, Brian. <laughs> I actually am going to give you rankings, and I've been I've been climbing through them in my head, and I had like a really good list when I was driving the other day, and I just scrapped it. I was like, this does not make any sense. Like I was like, <laughs> also, just for clarity, are we including Hobbs and Shaw in this rankings or no? I mean, you don't have to, but I, I am. Okay. So I will. I it will. makes it difficult. It, ma- it makes it way harder. It, like, I was really hoping you were saying, like, no, like, that's just its own. No. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to put it in, and, like, it, it's wildly difficult to rank these, but I think I'm, I'm – I have a good list, and I think you might you might be surprised. Okay. Oh, also, I do want to say that this is – we probably did not talk about this on the bonus episode over the weekend, but there is a new movie that's going to star Jason Statham and Kevin Hart. So if you want to see Shaw and Dinkley – in a movie together. That is, that's a weird combo, and I'm really excited for it. Same. I mean, we saw Central Intelligence, which is The Rock and Kevin Hart, a preview for Hobbs and Shaw and Kevin Hart, right? Like, that's like, that's like the lead up to them getting this. And this is just going to be Shaw and and Dinkley. Like, it's that's what this movie is set out to be. Yeah, it's essentially a Hobbs and Shaw spinoff movie that isn't an official Hobbs and Shaw spinoff movie. Like, I would love if, like, if The Rock just shows up with a cameo, just like, hey guys, what's up? Like, why didn't you invite me? Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but, you know, it would be funny. It should. Uh, But yeah, so next week is Relab Recap, and the week after that, we have our You Are My Lifespan Chapter 4. Ooh, so, so exciting. And then we have our uh, bonus special secret thing, which is, you know, it's nothing super special or grand, but I think it's going to be a fun episode, and also it's going to let us do something that we've been needing or meaning to do for a while. And then we're off to lap six, too, which we will announce the theme of that next week on the Relap Recap. Any last thoughts about the skulls or this episode before we come back next week? No, you should watch the movie if you've never seen it, if you made it this far. If you can find it. If you can get it for like 99 cents at Rasputin, go for it. Do it. But for all things Too Fast, Too Forever, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash forever or at forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at forever.com. Special shout out to everyone over there who supports us. Thank you all so very much. Come back next week for our tune-up relap recap. Make sure... If you missed it, we had a bonus episode over the weekend talking about the Fast 9, sorry, F9 trailer. Come back next week, like I said, for the Relap Recap. And then Lap 6, just around the corner. Lots of fun, really good lap coming up, Lap 6. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And we'll see you next time right here on Too Fast, Too Forever. <laughs>